welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Us in big church, open up your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 55, and then also we're going to flip over our Bibles in a little bit, and we're going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 55 and 2 Peter chapter 3. As Innocent shared with us earlier, one week from today, we kick off our fall revival with evangelist Ronnie Hill. Evangelist Ronnie Hill is from, I believe it's Weatherford, Texas, which is outside Fort Worth, Texas. He's flying in town on Saturday, and we're blessed to have him be with us. Um, He's going to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So we have multiple opportunities for you, your family, and the folks you invite to come to Revival. And now, when I use the word revival, we're talking about twofold right here. Revival has two parts to it. First of all, it's an evangelistic meeting. And what that means is there are many lost people here in our city. Lexington is a mission field, and they do not know Jesus. Our responsibility is invite our unchurched friends and family and school friends and whoever we know and meet. Invite them to come to Revival. Now, you know, we're serving dinner Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, so they can come get free food. I mean, that's, that's the in, in, incentive to make it very easy for families. You get off work, you come to eat, and then you come to church service. So, folks, Ronnie has the gift of evangelism. He casts a net... And if lost people hear the gospel, they will respond. So our responsibility is this week to be thinking and looking, who can I invite this week to come to the revival, to come know the Lord? The second part of the word revival involves us. If you are a believer here today, that means you've been saved. But many times in our spiritual lives, we grow stale. We get stagnant. We just get in routine ruts. In church and just worshiping, it just becomes something you need a renewal. And that's what a revival can actually revive the saints. That's us. So maybe you're looking for a fresh touch from God. That is what will occur during revival. So there's an anticipation for everybody who comes to revival with that. So this week, we want to be praying for God to move, for God to put people in your path to invite for revival. Now this passage here, I'm going to read to you out of Isaiah chapter 55. This is a come to Jesus passage. This is reminding us that the purpose of the gospel is for God's saving plan to be revealed. There are lost people all around us, and the Lord wants the lost sheep, people who do not know the Lord, to get saved. And it's going to be very clear here in this passage, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6. God's word says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. As heaven is higher than earth, 
So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven, and do not return there, without saturating the earth, and making it germinate and sprout, and providing seed to sow and food to eat. So my word, look at this verse here in verse 11. So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty. Or some of your Bibles say will not return void. But it will accomplish what I please. And it will prosper in what I send it to do. In this passage right here, it starts out in verse 6 that we just read. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. That's telling us that there is an opportunity to find the Lord. But it it says we need to do this while he may be found. That implies there will be a time. There could be a time in your life that you cannot find the Lord. You say, what are you talking about? There's an implication here that's saying call on him while he is near. Meaning there could be a time where the Lord is not near. And I believe the next verse tells us when that time the Lord is not near. The the obstacle for us being close to the Lord, being near to the Lord, seeking the Lord, is actually in verse 7. It says, let the wicked abandon his way. Wicked ways cause us to have hardened hearts and to be far from God. So when people are in their sin, when they're doing what they want to do, when they're living their uh, selfish, self-centered lives, when they live a me-centered lives, they are not thinking about the things of God. They are not thinking about revival. They're not thinking about their lost neighbor getting saved. And for us, we always have to remember as Christians, wicked ways, according to verse 7, it prevents us from being near to God. It hardens our heart. Book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that our sin hardens us from God and the word of the Lord actually pierces our heart. It makes us sensitive to the things of God. In verse 7 it goes on to say we are, the second thing that creates an obstacle for revival in our life is our sinful thoughts. Meaning we're going around thinking about not things from the Lord, we're thinking uh, immoral thoughts. This is why Jesus came and spoke on the Sermon on the Mount with the people who maybe pride themselves saying, hey, I've never committed adultery. I've never done this, never broken the seventh commandment. He said, no, no, you who go around, you might not have physically committed the act of adultery, but you in your mind have lusted after other people. You are just as guilty because you're thinking this. God judges our thoughts. Our thought life matters. So you might be sitting here thinking, when will this be over? I want to go home. I want to eat lunch. So you come to worship. And when Innocent introduced our introduction here, he said, we're coming into the presence of God. That's how he started out his introduction. So you're in the presence of God here, but mentally you can check out. You can physically be here, but mentally you're not. You're thinking about other things. And the Lord looks at that and says, you physically might be here, but you are not near the Lord. And we 
we spiritually want to make sure that not only physically are we here, we're in the presence of God, but mentally we're thinking about the things of the Lord. We're thinking about God. Do you know, on March 30th, 1981, there was a gentleman named John Hickley Jr. And he was standing outside of this hotel in Washington, D.C. It was called the Hilton Hotel, and President Ronald Reagan had just made a speech to like 5,000 people. And he's walking out of the hotel, and you know when you're the president, there's a mob, truly a mob everywhere you go, so you have to wave. You're, all you're doing is just waving all the time. And John Hickley Jr. somehow, uh, I guess, got by Secret Service, and he had a gun. He had a 22 pistol. And President Reagan, back that time, was ra- waving his hand, so his underarm was exposed. Well, this gentleman, John Hickley Jr., was trying to assassinate Ronald Reagan. This was the last assassination attempt we've had on a U.S. president. He got some shots off, one ricocheted off the presidential limo, and as his arm was raised, it happened so fast, the bullet went underneath his arm. With his arm, as he was waving, it ricocheted and came back and hit him. Well, President Reagan, I've heard people say this. I've never been shot before, but a lot of people who say they're shot, they don't realize what happened right away. He didn't know. He says he didn't know he was shot. But then he started coughing up blood, and they quickly realized, uh-oh, something's wrong right here. Well, they rushed him to the hospital. I believe presidents go to Walter Reed Hospital there in Washington. And he was in the hospital. They removed the bullet from his side, went into surgery, He was in the hospital for 12 days, and he came out, and he was uh, healed. The Lord healed him and saved his life. Obviously, he did not die, and he continued on as being the president. But after that failed assassination attempt, Ronald Reagan came out of that. Obviously, uh, your perspective on life has changed greatly, and he made this statement here. President Reagan said, after getting uh, nearly passing away, I have a new sense that I was spared for a purpose and that all my time belongs to God after that. President Reagan realized, I survived this assassination attempt. God spared me for this and now I'm going to devote all my time to the Lord. You realize how fragile that time is. And that is spoken about Right here in verse 11. We read this verse. I want to highlight it again. So my word, this is God's word, comes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. My word will not return void. Folks, what we see in this passage we just read, and especially verse 11, anytime we are in the presence of God, anytime we come to church or revival or Sunday school or we read our Bibles or we're listening to our Bibles and our podcasts, the Word of God, it does not just fall on deaf ears. It has a transformational, changing power to it. And we have to realize there is power in the Word of God. 
That's why when you come into uh, particularly Baptist churches, the pulpit is always at the center. Many churches have a Bible sitting right there, and a preacher should be preaching for the Word of God because you realize your time is fragile, it's short, and you want an entire focus on that. President Reagan had to go through a near-death assassination attempt to refocus him. Revival for us is a refocus on what matters the most. And what matters the most to the Lord is folks are either saved or they're either lost. They're either going to heaven or, as the Bible calls, they're separated from God and they're going to hell. And the way... that folks refocus on that is realizing God's Word doesn't return empty. I do not need to be wasting my time. The time is short. If you look here, back in Isaiah 55, look at verse 1, at the very beginning of this chapter here. God calls out, Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water, and you without silver, come, Buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. That is the gospel call right there. You come who are thirsty. People who don't have any money, who, have no, who don't even have silver, who don't have any milk, who don't have any wine. You just come. Whatever you don't have, that does not matter. There is a call that we see to the Lord for that He gives living water for them to be restored. And if you feel you are dry this morning, the Lord is calling you to come. Remember last Sunday, I preached on how the brook, it dried up with Elijah. And for us spiritually, we can dry up. where We're not losing our salvation, but we just do not feel close to God, and He's calling us to come to Him. This is a call to renewal. And in many times in our life, we have some tragedy that occurs that shakes us to our core and gets our attention. It happened to President Reagan with his assassination attempt. Maybe you are experiencing something. I want to give you a personal example that happened this past summer here at our church. John and Kelly King, right right after VBS in late June, John asked me to visit with his father-in-law. He was, going, he was staying at Good Samaritan's Hospital. He was not doing very well. And John and Kelly, who go to this church, who had been serving all week at VBS, were very concerned about his salvation. They didn't know where Terry, their dad, stood with the Lord. So they said, Daniel, I really want you to go there, if you have a chance, and bring your Bible and just meet with him about the Lord and really share the gospel. So one afternoon, I went up to Good Samaritan Hospital, and I went there by myself. Nobody was there. It wasn't on a visit, uh, just an additional day to go visit. And I'm right there by his bed, and I presented the, Terry the gospel with him. He was very sick, and he trusted Christ as his Savior. He stayed in the hospital another week or so, then he got out. And then in August, he still was having some health problems, but he started coming to church here, came to men's prayer breakfast shortly after that. And then in August, if you remember, it was during this service, he walked this aisle and made it public that he had gotten saved. 
And he wanted to get baptized right away because his health was failing. He was not getting better. He was going downhill. Well, we were going to schedule baptism the next Sunday. Well, basically with his health, the doctor, he just didn't work out. He was hoping to have some surgery done. He was going to get better. and He was going to get baptized at the end of October and early November. That's exactly, I still have the text, what he said to me. This past Friday, I got called to the hospital. Because he went into that hospital right afterwards, at the beginning of September, because that's when he wasn't able to get baptized. He went into the hospital in early September, and he never came out. And Friday, their family called me and said, Daniel, do you mind coming to Baptist Health? Terry's about to pass away. I went up there. I went to be with their family. And that evening, Terry, this two days ago, stepped into eternity with Jesus. And we were gathered around the bed. John, uh, Kelly, their, their mother, Carla, these are all folks who go to our church. They were all there. And while we were there, we were not talking about Kentucky football. We were not talking about politics. We weren't talking about how bad traffic is in Lexington. Do you know what Carla and the family wanted to hear? They wanted to hear the scripture that I had been reading to Terry. Because I would go up to the hospital and visit Terry. When people are facing life and death, this is what they turn to. We were reading from Psalm chapter 10. We were reading and hearing how the Lord, how He saved Terry. How He all of a sudden changed his heart. The power of God, no matter what season you are in, the folks, the Lord saves. And we have to realize, even for an older man, an older woman, they too can give their lives to Jesus, even in the hospital, even when they have bad diagnosis. For our responsibility is being sensitive to the fact, you know what, John came to me, and he easily could, this is back there in VBS, he says, Daniel, I really want you to come visit my father-in-law, because I'm, I don't know about his salvation. He easily could have thought, you know, Daniel's really busy, he has a lot to do, I'm not going to bother him with that. No, he bothered with me. He wasn't bother, but he asked me to do what's most important. What's most important for us is that we recognize all the people around us. Folks, they're either saved or they're not. And if they're not, that should be a burden for us, knowing also the power of the Word of God. When you don't even know what to say, you can literally just read a Bible verse to someone because the Bible tells us His Word does not return void. It doesn't. That's why you should never be embarrassed of inviting someone to church. They're coming here to hear the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. They might not agree with it, but that's their fault. They can take that up with God. All we do is we present the Gospel. If they're not happy, they can go to the Lord with it. Our responsibility, your responsibility, is what the gospel call is in Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, everyone who is thirsty. All people need to be saved. Do you know in 1981, our church baptized 35 people. That's the most we've ever baptized in our 70-year history. It's in 1981, same year President Reagan was attempted assassination. We're going to have a baptism service. On the last day of revival, 
That's going to be on Wednesday the 26th of October. I hope you're praying that lots of people, even more so people, well, there's more people in our city, there's more opportunities, there's more lost people. How exciting would it be for our church to see beyond 35 people get baptized during our revival? But folks, that is only going to happen if you or I this week are going to be diligently praying and anticipating and looking for opportunities to invite our family and invite our friends to revival, unchurched friends. Ronnie Hill will come, and he told me, if lost people are there, lost people will get saved when they hear the gospel. That is his spiritual gift. This is a, we are blessed to have this Southern Baptist evangelist come to our, to our church. When he came last, he came last year, and it was a powerful time of revival. We want our sanctuary filled with people who need the Lord. But folks, that's only going to happen if you and I take ownership and realize what the Lord wants us to do. God has given us a responsibility uh, uh, that we have to take part in that. Yesterday was our men's prayer breakfast. And Gene King asked a question. If you were at the men's prayer breakfast yesterday morning down the fellowship hall, you'll remember the question he asked. He asked the question, he says, Men, who here got saved during revival? And a lot of hands went up. They gave their life to Christ. I'm going to ask you, if you got saved during a revival service, sometime in your life, even if it was decades ago, will you raise your hand? Who got saved here during a revival? And you can look around and see. There's a lot of folks that raised their hand. Many of us, this is a transformational time in a life of a church that folks get saved. Folks, if we're not in the business of seeing people saved, what are we doing here? What could be more important than seeing someone who's going to hell all of a sudden now go to heaven. There's nothing more important than that. That is the purpose of the plan of God. In fact, keep your finger here in Isaiah. Flip over in your Bible. This is the last scripture you're going to read this morning. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. This tells us God's desires. And it's so important The Bible's actually going to tell us, whatever you do, don't overlook this. It's easy sometimes when we're reading our Bible, we're just trucking along and we just overlook certain areas. But God is telling, don't overlook this. Don't miss how important this is. 2 Peter, this is way back in the end of your Bible. 2 Peter chapter 3. You know, as you turn there, think about today. There's so much anxiety in our world today. I mean, we've got a so we're told we have a terrible economy which doesn't make any sense because everywhere you go, there's now hiring signs at every single store. But we have a terrible economy. We have runaway inflation. Everything costs more. Whatever you paid at the grocery store yesterday is going to cost more today. We are on the brink of war with Russia and Ukraine, possibly nuclear war. Who knows what's going to happen over there? We have record crime in our city. We have an upcoming election like three weeks away that people are just angry and mad at everyone. You can't even talk about it or a fight breaks out. I mean, it's so divisive everywhere you go. And that is a ripe soil for a revival. And our focus for us is Jesus, all this other stuff, all it does seems to do is I I literally have no control over. All I can do is pray and vote. That's it. Stay safe. Whatever that means, if that's even possible. But we as believers... 
we refocus our passion on what's most important, and that's people being changed by Jesus. You want to reduce crime in our city? Let people start getting saved. Let them start turning to the Lord. Let them start serving in their church, using what God has given them instead of for crime for the Lord. Look what it says right here. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Last two verses we're going to read this morning. God's Word tells us, Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. And notice it said the fact. That means this is a fact. This is a more fact than science is a fact because God said it here. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. You know what that means. Folks, we live and we think linear. Like I'm telling a story about Ronald Reagan in 1981, telling about our church in 1981 with great revival. We think of next week as our upcoming revival. But that's not how the Lord thinks. God is eternal. That's His being. That means the Lord, when He looks at all of the world and all of time, He does not. He is not nailed down to whatever October 16, 2022. God sees yesterday. The Bible says God is the God, same God yesterday, today, and forever. Meaning, He can see the future. He knows the past, and He sees today. So what happens? God knows every single one of us if we're going to heaven or not. He knows that before we were even created. He is fully aware. Nothing catches him off guard. But what is a fact for us, God has chosen to use us as the human vessels to be instrumental in leading other people to Christ and inviting them to church so they can get saved. Our mission and goal is to be the instrument that the Lord uses to see other people saved. So what happens here is as we pray for lost people, as we invite them to church, we don't know what's going to happen to them. But the Lord does. We want to see them saved. We want their lives to change. We want to, them to trust Jesus as their Savior. You want to see somebody who was once unchurched and lost, all of a sudden every Sunday at 11.15, they're here worshiping the Lord, honoring the God on the Lord's day. As Innocent said, coming into the Lord's presence. He created us for that purpose. It says here, the Lord, verse 9, does not delay His promise, as some understand delay. You know, remember, our, God's timing is not our timing. We want answers immediately. We want fast service, but not with the Lord. But is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God's plan and purpose is for every single person on earth to get saved. He created us for fellowship with Him. But folks, but because of sin, what happened in the Garden of Eden, what has passed through the seed of Adam and Eve all the way down to us, that has separated us from that. Now, God still loves us, but sin has separated us from living into eternity with the Lord. That's what Jesus came to do. His whole purpose was to unite hell-bound people so they can get saved. And our responsibility in that is making it very easy and possible for the people we come in contact with to come to revival. 
That's why, or to get saved. That's why we have revival services. That's why we serve food. That's why we bring guest speakers. We have entertainment. It's a big show. But the main message, folks, is Jesus. It's getting saved. It's pointing people to the Lord. So this morning, I ask you this week, as we are one week away from a mighty movement for the Lord, what we choose to do, crying and pleading out to God, start viewing things through the lens of, I have such little time, little opportunity, I want to cherish every conversation I have to point people to the Lord. Terry Blankenship, he, was, he gave his life to Christ in, on June 29th. He had no clue. Probably on October 14th, he'd step into eternity with Jesus that soon. He was planning his baptism, planning to get involved in our church, looking forward to seeing his grandchildren, who are normally in the service right there, grow up in the Lord. And I think for us, even, I mean, think about even Brother Hurd. He obviously hasn't passed away, but he's planning his 70th wedding party on Wednesday. I was talking to him about it in the fellowship hall four days ago. And then he falls down the stairs. Now he's at the hospital. Folks, we are not promised tomorrow. We do not know what's going to happen. This is why the Bible tells us, don't overlook this. It is critical we know what is most important in our life. And going back to that Isaiah chapter 55 verses, what prevents us from seeking the Lord and experiencing personal revival? In verse 7 it says, You need to abandon your wicked ways. Sin keeps us far from God. We're not near to God when we're filled with sin. We're far from God. Not only that, our sinful thoughts, your thinking, you will not experience revival if your mind is in the gutter all the time. You won't. You won't be thinking about the things of God. And the Lord, this week, you need to ask, Lord, free me from wicked ways. Free my mind from immoral thinking. Lord, help refocus me on you. That is what it means for us as believers to experience revival. We start looking at the things in the world, how the Lord would want things. People are either saved or they're lost. Now how I want to close this service today is we are in our 40 days of prayer. Prayer and fasting. I hope you're going through our prayer guide. And I'm going to close this with this prayer. And then we're going to have our invitation to respond. We're on day 29, so we only have 11 days left. And you can jump right in these last 11 days. And today, what we're praying for is having a heart of selfishness. Not selfishness, selflessness. Meaning, when we're selfless, that means we're thinking about others. When we're selfish, we don't experience revival. We don't experience great moves of the Lord. And we live, gosh, this is the most selfish time in the world to live in. That's all social media is. The Bible, Bible verse we're going to read here is Philippians 2.3. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This week, we're one week from our revival. Instead of looking for, think, instead of this week thinking, God, what, what do I need to do this week? What's in it for me? What can I get? God is asking us to start looking for others, the interests of others, including their spiritual, their spiritual life. Folks, if you know of someone who lives in your home, whom you spend a lot of time with, work with, 
whom you talk, a close friend who you go to school with, and they do not attend church, and they are not saved, that should be a clue that the Lord has placed you, you, not me, you, in their life for a purpose for seeing them saved. That is what 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us. The Lord wants them to be saved. It's not by accident. And this week, your prayer should be, God, how can I be instrumental in seeing my family, my friends, my co-workers get saved, come to revival, begin coming to church? Folks, that's what we're about to pray for. We are one week away from a mighty movement for God, and we come in expectation for what God is going to do. So let's bow our heads, and we're going to pray for a revival. Lord, we thank you for this 40 days of prayer we have been going through. Lord, we want to make sure that there are no obstacles in our life, in our personal life, preventing us and preventing our attitude, our thinking, from pushing and pointing people to you. Lord, remove any barrier, any obstacle from us so that we can make sure that with all the worries of the world today, that there is a clear focus on you, Jesus. Lord, I pray this next week, it just reminds us how critical it is for us to know you. Lord, I pray for a mighty move. Lord, I pray that even this invitation right here, there's faces out here that I don't know. And Lord, you've brought him there, and they need to, maybe they need to get saved this morning. They don't need to rate to revival. They need to walk this aisle and take my hand. Say, I'm ready to get saved. I'm ready to get baptized. I'm ready to follow the Lord and become a member of this church. Lord, we are blessed to be a part of a church that is a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church that points people to you. Jesus, we pray this invitation will not pass with us responding. And Lord, I pray for us who are saved that we experience personal renewal and personal revival in our life. It's a two-fold service. Lost people getting saved and us spiritually being revived. God, I pray that you will do a mighty work in what you're doing at this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. Myself, I'm going to stand right here. And Zach Bauer, our youth pastor, is going to stand here right next to me. I tell you, if God has spoke to you this morning, I tell you, he has. I can look on your faces. You come take my hand and say, Daniel, I need to join this church. I need to make a commitment to the Lord. And now's the time for you to respond, you and your family, you respond to God. Zach, you come stay on me. Beecher's going to lead us in our song. Now's our time to respond to the Lord.